0: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com
1: slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
0: And welcome back to sort of the Clue Jets podcast. Where it's Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Ugh, Michael. Another brutal Jets loss. Don't know how to take this one. I mean, the Jets did get some help today. Patriots with an all-time horrific ending to a game. I mean, it was glorious for us, but I can't even imagine if I was a Pats fan watching that. So the Jets did get some help. Their playoff chances are still alive. If they win the next three, they should be in. But today was brutal. I mean, tough game. Zach Wilson, ups and downs. Defense and special teams letting him down. Coaching letting him down at the end. Not the type of game you wanted to jumpstart the fourth quarter of, of this season, but as we said, Michael, season's still alive. So with all
1: that being said, how are you feeling? Yeah, I mean as as disappointing as as disappointing of a loss that they've taken this season for sure. Um, you know, it felt like a game that was very much within reach from start to finish. Uh, they hung in there the entire time. They had moments where the offense was clicking, there were long stretches where the defense was locked in holding the score down, and, you know, you finally had a game where, you know, the offense was struggling, but it did come up with that clutch drive that you wanted, and the game was in the defense's hands like the Jets have wanted to get in recent weeks. You know, they couldn't do it in Minnesota. They couldn't do it in New England, uh, just get that last offensive score to let the defense have the chance to win the game, and they finally do that, and then the defense chokes at the worst moment. So uh, special teams was bad. Offense, you know, despite its clutch drive, was not good enough against the second lowest scoring defense in the league. Uh, So this is as much of a team loss as you can have. I think all three phases and just about every unit on the team uh, can share some blame in this loss. So very disappointing, but at the same time, they still have this right in front of them. Three games left here, and we'll go deep into the playoff scenarios. I'm literally looking at a simulator right now, just <laughs> playing some stuff out. Uh, yeah, I'm sure this that'll be easy what's on my mind the most. It. Yeah, it'll be very it's, succinct. All right, let's 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 talk about it. We'll, we'll get to the game let Let's second, get right, right into it.
0: But everybody, everybody wants to know about the playoff scenarios. I, I We talked briefly. We'll do our preview pod for the Jaguars. We'll record that uh, Tuesday night, so that'll come out Wednesday morning, so I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the, the playoff scenarios again there, but briefly, let's try to set the scene as succinctly as possible here and make it as digestible as possible. Cause it's, it's a lot of information to take in.
1: Essentially numbers, though, if, if I can give you,
0: if I can give you a little intro, most likely the Jets need to win out. There are some scenarios where they could yeah. lose a game, yeah. but let's just say if they win out and the Pats lose one, of the remaining three games, which they play Cincinnati, Miami, and Buffalo. So you'd imagine that at the very least they'll lose one of those games. The Jets are in. So for all intents and purposes, if the Jets win out, they're in. There are a few other scenarios, Michael, that involve the Chargers, that involve the Ravens, that involve the Jets losing a game. So let's hear them. I'll try to stop you and, and break it down to make this as easy as possible. But let's hear let's hear the scenarios. Um, what What are the Jets looking at if they want to sneak into the tournament?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I guess the easiest way to lay this out, just as a an overall picture, or um, to put the odds out there, from this is according to the New York Times playoff simulator. These are their odds it, based on how they finish over these last three games. So if they go three and zero, they have it at ninety eight percent. So most likely, barring something very that, unlikely, that two percent is what is just if the the Pats went out, the Charges went both out. Both the Pats and the Chargers went out. So right. Unlikely if you go 3 0, you're probably in. Not completely certain, but it would take something, uh, take a lot for it to not be enough. And can so, we explain? They would have yeah. the head, even in that scenario, the Jets would have the head to head
0: over the Dolphins, and then technically they would have had the AFC tiebreaker over the Chargers. This is, I think we were wrong on this because I said, okay, if they go 3 0, regardless, they're in. But you raised a good point to me today, which was. Right. The, the rules are different when there's three teams involved. So even though they would technically have the tiebreaker over the Chargers, because the Patriots are ahead of them in the standings, it would be the Pats and the Chargers getting in instead of the Jets, even though the Jets are technically ahead of the Chargers, right?
1: Right. So if there's a, a three-plus team tiebreaker for the wild card, the first tiebreaker is where you stand in your division. So if there was a four-team tie, say at 10 and 7 for the wild card, Technically, you know, even if the Jets got that conference loss they need from the Chargers to win that tiebreaker. So you beat the Dolphins because you beat them. You beat the Chargers because you beat that conference tiebreaker. So you would think they would be second behind the, behind the Patriots, but it doesn't work that way. Because, and you'd be ahead of the Dolphins. Right. As I mentioned, you'd be ahead of the Dolphins. So you think the Jets would be second in that four-team set, but it's actually division standing first. So the Pats and the Chargers are the second-place teams in their division, so they would get the top two. Right in this scenario, so that's part of that two percent, very unlikely if you go three and zero. But most likely, you go three and zero. The Pats are going to drop one of those. And, and also, games before
0: before we get to the comments, I, we know that the Jets have to actually win one of these games. Like the, the chances they go three and zero are dwindling by the weeks. Although they are a different team with with Mike White and Quentin Williams. So I know I know the comments are they're thinking about playoffs. The playoffs
1: are right. toast. They're not
0: making the. No, playoffs. I mean like,
1: I mean we'll make it clear as we go on. Like I don't think this is going to happen i definitely am not confident they're, but they're a different team with mike out, white and quinnon just laying out the facts of you know what is what is possible going forward here so right anyway continuing with the odds if, if you go two and one you could still have a shot a shot but it just depends on who the loss is against if you lose to the seahawks it's it definitely matters a lot but it's much less damaging than if you lose one of the other two games they have the odds of 55 percent for the jets if they go two and one and they lose to the Seahawks. If they lose to the Jaguars, they go 2-1, 46%. So now you're under 50, but still somewhat possible.
0: That scenario is Zach starts Thursday, they lose, but then they get Mike White and Quinn back, and then maybe they win the last two. What would have to happen in either of those scenarios to
1: sneak in? So you're getting ahead of the Dolphins if you do this, if you can get at least one Dolphins loss, because losing that one game... right? means that the Dolphins have to lose one of these next two games against the Packers uh, and Patriots against the Packers and Patriots uh, for the Jets to be within striking distance. So first you need that to happen and then you'd get ahead of the Dolphins. Then you would need the Chargers to lose two games or the Patriots uh, to lose two games. So you need one of those two teams to lose two games. So it's not okay totally impossible, but it's under 50. Well, the reason. Patriots play, then...
0: the, the Patriots do play the Bengals, the dolphins and the bills right, So if right. the jets go two and one and the pats drop two of those games you're saying the jets will be in as long as they beat miami
1: yeah as long as they beat miami and the charge uh, the dolphins the pick- get a loss over the next two games uh so that way the jets can still catch up to them oh right because,
0: because right the dolphins still even if the jets lose a game the dolphins still have to lose because the jets have to be within striking distance
1: Right. Right. So that's your scenario if you lose this Jaguars game. Uh, If you lose to Miami, they have the odds at at 11%. Uh, You can probably forget about it if that happens because you're not passing the Dolphins, which is a huge part of this because it's just one game where you control your own destiny, you pass a team. Um, So if you lose that Miami game, you're not passing them and you need both the Chargers and the Patriots to crumble and get behind you. So you would need uh, still two Pats losses, which is possible, but yeah. then you would also need... If not likely. ...the Chargers. Yeah, but you would also need the Chargers to finish with two losses, yeah. and their schedule's much easier. So you need yeah. both of those teams to crumble. So uh, really, best-case really scenario, wish- obviously, go 3-0. Yeah,
0: really wish the Chargers would have uh, lost that game to the Titans, but the Patriots are far more important because they have that direct tiebreaker over the Jets and right. the division. So, and now that they have... Pretty daunting schedule ahead of them to lose the to the Raiders. It's like just if they lose one, I think uh, that I mean that should be the, the main scenario. The other two scenarios: if the Jets go three and zero, I don't think we touched on them. You tweeted them, but it was right. if they go three and zero. Even if the Patriots went out, if the Chargers lost one of those AFC games and they play the Colts and the Broncos, they'd be in. Or if the Ravens
1: lost right. every game
0: left, which is
1: yeah. pretty unlikely, but you know, with Lamar injured, maybe. But probably not. So that basically makes up that, you know, minuscule chance that 3-0 isn't enough. The only way 3-0 is not enough is if the Chargers win out, the Patriots win out, and this is likely anyway, but the Ravens win at least one game. If the Jets go 3-0, they just need one of those things right. to not happen, and they're good. So you get, like you said, one Chargers it's- lost to a conference team. Uh, I shouldn't mention that first. it's the that Pats words, yeah the Pats. The Pats. that's what you're looking at get one Pats loss and three no is enough if somehow the Pats went out one Chargers loss in conference could be enough or the Ravens losing out but you're looking at the Pats that's the main thing one more loss from them three no is going to get the Jets in so that's the path that you're looking I will at. say as as
0: depressing as today was if you go back the last 2 years in this podcast, the scenarios that we were breaking down at this point in the season were draft tiebreakers. So it is a little refreshing right. that we're sitting here breaking down playoff tiebreakers. In fact, I had to like really familiarize myself with the the whole tiebreaking procedures cuz we yeah, haven't really right. had to yeah. talk about them at all <laughs> ever. Um okay. Well, that that breaks it. I mean, that breaks things down for us. As disappointing as today's loss was, it really in the grand scheme of things wasn't as important. What it did was it made that Seattle game virtually a must-win. As we as we laid out, they could lose to Seattle, and if if the the Packers gave the Jets a gift on Christmas and beat the Dolphins, they could still be in it. But for all intents and purposes,
1: this game didn't really change too much. You know, it's wins right. last three. Yeah, and I think the way you put it makes sense. It's like I think going into this last four stretch, they had one expendable non-conference loss is the best way to put it, and they just used it here. So, which you wish they didn't, because go...
0: going to Seattle to play Geno is a lot right. scarier than playing golf at home.
1: But not easy. This one was it is what it is. much more within your grasp. But uh but yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. It's not totally catastrophic because it's non-conference, so it keeps you in range to where you could take the tiebreaker from the Chargers. So uh, not the worst thing in the world because of the way the schedule was set up and with this being an NFC game. But at the same time, it. You know, it still means a lot as we will discuss. All right. Let's talk about this game though.
0: A lot to talk about in this one. I think Zach was the biggest storyline going into it. I don't even want to say he's the biggest storyline exiting it because there were some other gaffes that really cost him this game, but Zach up and down, he made some great throws. He got bailed out on some throws for sure. And he missed a lot of consistent throws over the middle And that's ultimately what really cost him. Do have to give credit to Zach. I know. I'm trying to be somewhat optimistic that they at least did did get him that touchdown. The defense gives up a touchdown, and then he got him back into field goal range. So it wasn't all bad for Zach, but far too many misses over the middle. Throws that we've seen Mike White make time and time again. And, you know, I I went to the game, so I was able to see a little bit more than you were, Michael. And, I mean, there were other times where – Garrett's wide open deep. I think I have to go back and watch this one, but the, the one that sticks out, and there are a few of them, the swing pass to Barrios that he missed, and it, granted he was under pressure. I don't really know his, the order of his reads there, but that that swing pass to Barrios, I don't know if you remember, he kind of dirted it. It was a bad throw, and people started to boo a little bit. Garrett was wide open deep. Now, I got to go back and watch, see if there's a safety creeping, but I remember seeing Garrett and be like, Garrett, Garrett, and then he, I saw he just dirted one to Barrios. So there were a few of those two. Um, but overall, I mean, he did, there were some throws in this game that, you know, might be among the best of his NFL career. Um, and some other ones that he got lucky on receivers kind of bailing him out and deep throws that were underthrown. And I don't know, he looks like he was playing a little looser and did enough for the jets to win. So, and did put him in a position to tie it, but ultimately Michael, I, I think we can both say that Mike white is. Mike White would have given them the better chance to win. We knew that going in, but this game probably proved it. Um, what did you make of Zach's performance? I, I know you had a you had a you called him atrocious after the game, then you, you back you walked it back a little bit.
1: How do you feel? Yeah, no, I I think like you said, it was up and down. Um, there were some big time plays in this game. I like that the Jets allowed him to have the opportunity to air it out i like that he had the confidence to air it out and that was that was their best offense in this game and i think that you knew going in that it would be their best offense against this team that is very weak at corner has given up a lot of deep passing production we talked about it going in that's how they're going to succeed in this game they're going to play you man to man single high they're going to say come at us we don't think you can beat us and they took some shots and they had a lot of success with it so That part of it was really nice. Um, But everything outside of that, we did see a lot of the same issues. You know, the one interception he threw was, I mean, we'll take another look at it, but it seemed like that was just another one of those that are as bad as it could possibly be. Um, He got away with a potential pick on that first pass he threw to Mims on that slant. Uh, The defender had two hands on that one. And then there was obviously the Michael Carter one where, he makes uh, an amazing catch to rob an interception. Uh, so really had three kind of interception worthy passes in this one. And then anything that wasn't a deep pass just felt like an adventure in this game. The passing <laughs> over the middle, like he had uh, quite a few airmails passes behind guys. Um, some of the, he dirted that one pass to Barrios, like you said. Uh, so yeah, it was good that he had the explosive plays going. That was nice to see because we have not seen a lot of that this year, but other than that, a lot of the same issues. And I think uh, going into halftime, I think he felt pretty good about it. Uh, he didn't have a lot of plays. I think he only had 14 passes or things only like 12 actually going into and that time. included three deep balls. Yeah. So it wasn't a lot to go off of, but you know, he had multiple explosive plays that great uh, drive to close the first half, the goblin and field range, brutal miss penalty on Jeff Smith. Should have been at the goal line. Uh, that was atrocious, so going to halftime, I think he felt good, but then that switch flipped with the interception, and it's been the theme throughout his career, where he's had a tough time bouncing back from those mistakes, he threw that, and then the mistakes kind of kept piling up, and the Jets were just stagnant for too long, and obviously he was able to get the drive going at the end of the game, he hit the deep shot to Garrett, had a couple throws after that, um, and they got in for the touchdown with Uzama, but um, there's a lot a long period of stagnancy before that, where the Jets really could have seized control of the game while the defense was holding down Detroit for the vast majority of the game. And you know, everyone's going to focus on that last drive and that mistake as they should, because it was embarrassing and egregious. But for the majority of this game, the Lions did not have any offensive touchdowns until the very last drive of the game. So the defense held it down, and the offense just could not seize control and. Um, take advantage of that. So, uh, yeah, it was up and down from Zach. The way I would put put it for him in this game is, it feels like that was the best he could do. But there were still his limitations still prevent his best from being more than middle of the pack because like everything was clicking with the deep game. He was slinging it; those throws were connecting. But he's still so limited with the consistency of his accuracy and his footwork. Um, just getting rattled in the pocket and not making the best decisions to where it's like, even when everything is kind of clicking, like it felt like it was at times in this game, he just doesn't have the, uh, the fundamental mechanics or the mental fortitude to just be consistent enough to have a really complete, solid game. So that's how I would put it. I think the high points were there in this one as much as, as they've been all season, really in any game of his career. I think this is up there in terms of the number of high points. But all the stuff that you need to have to be consistent throughout an entire game, still struggling a lot. Um, So, yeah, we talked about going into this game. What does he need to do to take the job from Mike White? And I definitely don't think he got close to that in this one, regardless of the result of them winning the game or losing it. uh, I just uh, yeah, he definitely didn't make the case to take that job from White. So when White's healthy, it's still his for sure. Do you think the Jets find the sketchiest doctor in
0: Florham Park to clear Mike White for Thursday? Do you think they just find anybody with a medical degree?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's what the, they're going to have to do. Just tape it kind up, of random. You know, find the most random. Yeah, doctor, give him give him the uh,
0: give him the Sam Darnold mono shoulder pads. Give him yeah, like that.
1: just that's what I was thinking before this game. Like I remember Sam Darnold came out with just like the most thick protection ever <laughs> it over like his chest. Incredible. Just no legs,
0: <laughs> all upper body.
1: Yeah, so that's what I was thinking they would do. But um, I don't know. You think maybe this performance kind of pushes them to like, all right, let's go here. Just clear this guy. Just get him out there. I mean, if he was really
0: bad in this game, I think they would consider like if they couldn't clear flat or if they couldn't clear white, I think they would even consider just going Flacco, if I'm being honest, or even strevler, but not a short week, not strevler. But w- Wilson was good good enough in this game where they're not going to consider anybody else except White. I do think they'll really make a push. I mean, it was surprising that White didn't play. So it's not like, you know, he felt fine and he really thought he could play and he was trying to get cleared. So I do think that there, and that was on Friday, right, that they didn't clear him. So those tests might have been from Thursday night. Thursday night, Friday morning. So, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, they probably want to know by Wednesday um i think it's possible yeah i do think it's I'm possible i'm torn on, on
1: which way it's gonna go because i feel like a lot of the signals are pointing us to know like rapaport came out with his uh, he didn't say definitively but he said like it looks like that zach wilson's gonna get two games here or yeah. something along those lines um and then you know even mike white when he was asked about him friday when they said does the short week affect it and he's like yeah i think it does it makes it tough. So, I don't, yeah, I think that that's exactly what you said. Yeah, so, it's
0: probably Zach. And also, you know, as much yeah. as we want to end the playoff drought and Mike White gives him the best chance to win, you don't really want to risk Mike White's like long term health. If he goes out there and
1: punctures yeah. an organ,
0: <laughs> like, you know, it wouldn't look good at all. So you don't want to play him unless he's fully healthy, which he probably won't be by Thursday. But just such a bad feeling, timing with the Thursday game at this particular. If, if, I know if, the season. Yeah, because if it's a Sunday game, I think he plays. If he's feeling yeah. okay, maybe there's a doctor that clears him. But going back to Zach, I, I mean, look, I mean, at this point in his career, he is an inaccurate QB who, a wildly inaccurate QB uh, who doesn't see the field all that well, and. Uh, it doesn't look comfortable under pressure. I think he looked like he was processing information a little faster in this game. I do think maybe watching Mike white go through his I did see a few times where Zach was like going through progressions and he didn't look as overwhelmed. He kind of looked like he knew where to go with the football and if his read wasn't there, he kind of knew where to go. Um, but yeah, I mean the accuracy over the middle is really his the big thing that sticks out when you watch him. It's just too many inaccurate plays and then yeah, like there are times where he's actually a lot of times where he's late on throws, even his good throws. You know, the interception of Moore, I'd have to go back and watch it. But from what I saw live, it looked like Moore was open on that wheel, but he took so long to get there that by the time he threw it off his back foot, that safety was right there. And it looked, everybody sees that and they're like, what the hell is he doing? If he throws that ball, you know, a second and a half earlier, that that's a big gain to Elijah Moore. So he's seeing things late. He's not really throwing with anticipation. Um, it wasn't all bad though. You know, obviously he had some some good plays in there as well. Um, but even some of those good plays, some of those deep passes were underthrown balls and you can yeah. I mean, good plays and you want to celebrate them. And I'm not trying to swing too far the other way. Cause I've, I've been optimistic and I'm not trying to be super pessimistic, but to be balanced here, it's like even some of those deep balls, like even his touchdown to Uzama, you can't really criticize that too much. He had to flip his hips, but that was, that was late. Deep ball to Wilson was late. Deep ball to Jeff Smith was underthrown. Yeah. Another deep ball to Wilson was underthrown, you know, so even some of the big plays and good plays
1: weren't, you know, I don't know, perfect, which I right, guess. Yeah. I would say especially the uh, Jeff Smith one at the end of the first half. Yeah. And then the last one to Garrett Wilson, those were just essentially jump balls.
0: It's hard because you don't want to be nitpicky. Cause it's like, at the end of the day, it's still a 50 yeah. some odd yard pass and he got right. it to him and he didn't want to overthrow him. And it's not like his crazy chemistry with Jeff Smith. So if they won, Maybe we're not criticizing it as much, but I do think if, let's if we're being as fair as possible, he made some great plays, some plays that turned out well. But if you look at the process, it's like okay, that ball hung up in the air for too long. That was a little underthrown, like that could have been picked off. But end of the day, it was just to me, it was the misses over the middle that cost him a few drives yeah, there, where it's yeah. like you definitely could have gotten into scoring range. You know, there's a number of them, it's, and it's all over the middle mostly all those throws that we've seen Mike white hit consistently. And that's the other thing too, that I think makes it hard is I don't think they run the same offense with Mike white and Zach Wilson. So it's hard on a short week to not know who's going to start. I would have, that would bode well in terms of of Zach Wilson starting. Um, I guess the one thing I'll say is I'm confident that Mike white can do pretty much everything Zach can do. I know he's not as much of an athlete, but I'm, it's a lot different to put Zach Wilson in the exact offense that Mike White was running and try to have him go through all those progressions and reads in the pocket. Um, I will say, well, I'll ask you, what did you think of the floor in this game?
1: Yeah, I I think it was a mixed bag. I mean, there was some good stuff you drew up, I I like that it was aggressive for the most part. Um, But some of the run game play calling, and this is what you were pointing out to me before we started recording, but, seems like it's very predictable. There wasn't a lot of variety with the run game. Uh, In terms of when they were calling the runs, it felt like first down was very high percentage run, and it was very predictable. So it it really seemed like there was a lot of first down run, second down play action. And some of those play action shots worked, but it was quite predictable for the most part. Um, So I don't think it was as bad as last game, or maybe even the Vikings game in the red zone, but definitely I don't, think it was ideal either so i mean he's kind of hit a funk recently Lafleur has and i guess you cut him some slack because you know the quarterback going in and out and injuries or whatever i I feel like earlier in the season he was sharper like even those two patriots games especially the first one is like he was just cooking getting guys open all day and unfortunately he didn't have the quarterback playing those patriots games to translate that to production but guys were open and then the bills game he had a great game plan uh to help zach out of that initial funk and make him look good for that one game. Uh, and then obviously before that, when you were still fully healthy and you had Brees and AVT and everything, felt like they had a lot of stuff going, uh, but post by week uh, other than the, I wouldn't say post by week uh, last three games, Vikings bills. And now this game. Uh, yeah. floor. I don't think has been quite as effective.
0: It doesn't seem as creative. It seems very repetitive in the offensive running. And the thing yeah. that really stood out to me in this game was it was clear and it's been clear Zach is so much more comfortable outside the pocket. Why are they not rolling him out more? Could, does anybody have a single answer to that? Because it's clear that when he's outside the pocket, he knows he can rely on his athleticism. He doesn't have to worry about the pocket closing in on him. He can keep his eyes downfield. He has an option to run. It's like you can run this out of multiple formations. Where are the PA boots? With a little levels concept, a little deep shot if he wants it, Zach can take off and utilize his mobility. None. None. I mean the the one uh, touchdown to Uzama was a was a PA boot rolling left with that you know he threw back to, across his right, but I don't was there a single PA boot to the right in this game? Seriously.
1: Yeah, was there definitely, a single PA boot to the right? Not that comes to mind first. Um, maybe we're forgetting one, but maybe we're forgetting not as much one, of a fixture as it but should it's like be.
0: The, the, the Lions run pretty much the same passing concepts on every play. They have a pick play, an offensive pass interference on every single play. And a lot of clear out routes, like, you know, they were doing a good job manipulating the Jets zone defense by, you know, like they would have uh, the furthest outside receiver, basically just run a clear out route, you know, run a nine ball, take sauce out of the play. And then you just have a guy coming right into that flat, right where that zone where, where sauce might be trying to play and free yards every time. And they run it out of different formations. And I'm not, I mean, obviously they do other stuff too, but I'm saying if you find something that works with Zach, which I do think, I mean, I know he's had some bad plays out of the pocket too, but. I think the thing I like about it is it gives him the option to run. I'm pretty confident that if you run those PA boots, Zach can scramble for a few yards pretty much every time. Sometimes they'll get blown up and and they'll be a a free rusher. But the thing is, is if you have something like that and you get something working, then you can build off of it. And it just feels like what the Jets are trying to build off of isn't really what Zach Wilson's strengths are. I mean, like you're saying, they're really predictable with their play calling. And I I like LaFleur. I think he's the best Jets offensive coordinator that we've had in a long time. But yeah, the last few weeks really repetitive, really predictable play calling, and a lot of passing concepts that are, I don't know, seemingly anemic. Do you agree with me on that? I just maybe it's grading results over process, but it does feel like other teams get guys open far easier. Oh, no, yeah, and the yeah. have a, a great. They have a, 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 a easily a wide receiver number one, arguably a top ten guy in the league in Garrett Wilson. And a guy on Elijah Moore, who's also come into his own. It's not, and it's not like you don't have weapons. Two solid tight ends that you're paying, you
1: know, twenty million dollars a year for. I don't know. Feels. Yeah, no, no I, I agree. Recently, there just hasn't been as much schemed up offense as you usually like uh, to see from him. And, and I don't think it is results over process because, because like I just said, I just pointed out two losses, those two Patriots games where they scored seventeen and three points, where. I'm watching the game, and I'm watching the film, and I'm like, there's a lot of guys open here. I really like what you're doing against this elite defense and Bill Belichick. I see you guys open. And obviously, as we know, Zach Wilson struggled in those games. But um, last few games, I don't see as much schemed-up offense. Like, where are the wide-open throws? Where are the well-timed screen passes that are actually blocked up well and work well? Um, it's just... Not a lot it's just, of offense. It's just the easy offense, straight from just, the yeah, just the easy offense that's created by the play call. Not like in in
0: the refusal to get the tight ends involved, is is maddening to me because they were pretty much down to three receivers at this point in the game, and I know you know a lot of it can go in the quarterback. Michael Floor would probably say like you know they're running routes, but I mean finally we had a tight end touchdown in this game. But even when they get down to the red zone, and not that that was really a, a thing that popped up in this game, I don't think they were really they were in the red zone once and they threw that that. Uh, touchdown to, uh, to Uzama, but it's like the tight ends have not been utilized the entire season. If I mean, when they signed him, it was like, oh, the tight ends going to be a big part of this offense. They're going to run a lot of 12 personnel. And they're pretty much just like extra offensive linemen who who run a, a little block and release sometimes, or maybe they'll run to the flat or a little clear out route. But I don't know. It feels like Conklin and Uzama are too good to not be utilized. Not that they're amazing or anything, but it's they're better than – Braxton Barrios and Jeff Smith yeah, and yeah, Denzel totally. Mims. So yeah. it was good know.
1: to see, you know, the Uzama play called up the pro day throw. So that was creative. Good to see that. But other than that, like Conklin, I think is the guy who should be the focal point right now. It's like Corey Davis is out. Denzel Mims goes out. I want to see more targets for Conklin. He's probably the third best route runner you have outside of, you know, Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Uh, He can beat linebackers. He can beat safeties. He can win for you on an out, on a dig. Even up the seam, he's shown he could do some damage. But Braxton Barrios has to keep being the focal point, dropping every single pass. How bad has he been this month? He's been awful. He has
0: been atrocious. And even the the, the kickoff return, I don't know if you could get a sense of this on on TV. I can't remember if it was a kickoff. It was a kickoff that he muffed and then he picked it up, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: He had wide open lanes. I mean, that was – when he – because it was a short kick, I think it was a it was a bad kick or it was a bad punt. I forget exactly which one it was. I just remember seeing it and being like, "Oh, he's got a, he's got a lane here," and then he muffs it. And cl- that's probably why he muffed it is because he saw the lane opening up. But it's like, you know, drops the game winner last week or two weeks ago. Buffalo, he uh, let numerous punts roll on, roll right down to the one yard line. This week, um, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, obviously his returns haven't been that great. Um, didn't he also have a bad? Yeah, drop the bad too? drop over the middle. Yeah, a bad um, drop over the middle. Right the Red Yeah. So you maybe you were maybe I should eat some crow on that, Michael. Because between the two of us, I was the bigger Barrios fan. You're saying this guy is not that great, and I was like, okay. But he was an All-Pro returner. Look at what he was doing the last month of the the the, the season last year. He's got that great chemistry with Zach. This is a guy that should keep around. You know, they can run those little trick plays with him. But it's like, I'm sorry, all those plays should be going to Elijah Moore. Yeah. But, I mean, I like Barrios. It's just, but this month he's been horrible, so it's hard to advocate for him having any reps. But with Davis injured, with Mims injured, with Jeff Smith injured, we'll see who's ready for Thursday. But we might be getting more of the Braxton Barrios offense.
1: That's another thing. Yeah. Where, are the, where are the trick plays from last year? Yeah, when well, they have tried them, they have not been as effective. I think, um, and then it feels like there's like some alternation with it um you have games such as the minnesota game where trying it time and time again when the best way you're moving the ball is just going between the 20s um playing football with no gimmicks but then we got to go to so many trick plays in the red zone and then in this game they didn't really do much of anything when i think it could have helped the offense be more consistent um because in this game you know airing the it out, shots are game there game they're and, playing man accessible. they're coming
0: underneath um, it's like
1: then that's that, that could open important. up some of that trick stuff. Yeah, so uh, LaFleur recently has got to figure it out. I know there are some obstacles right now, with injuries, quarterback uncertainty, and all that, but uh, I'm, I'm disappointed because I'm generally a LaFleur fan. I think he does an above average job, but recently it, he has not made it as easy on the players as it could be. And, and that's not to let the execution off the hook, because let's talk about the O-line. And they're yeah. run blocking. I mean, it's embarrassing. Terrible. There's nothing it's terrible to do in this game. a Knight has to break three tackles just to get back to the line. Yeah. Um, credit to him. He had stats won't show it, but I think he consistently was getting more than what was blocked for him, even if that means just getting one instead of negative three. So, uh, run blocking and Elijah Vera Tucker loss. We're starting to see how much that hurts. That, that's an, yeah. They, I mean, they, I mean, they've won yeah. two games since he's been injured exactly like now it's starting to add up like since the Brees and avt losses you're two and five you're five and two before that and um i mean four and two i guess if you take out the broncos game it's just the one Brees hall touchdown um, no they, they won, won that game. because so, of that t- yeah you
0: count that well, so let's That's count
1: that one so five and two to two and five and you know Brees hall's huge loss i absolutely think they've missed him donovan knight has um tried to pick up some of that recently but before that you weren't even close to that. But if, if AVT, AVT
0: and Breeze, it would still be like the run. I mean, Brees would make some plays, but it's AVT that they're really missing.
1: Yeah, because you know, he's an elite run blocker and does so much for this run game. And like how many of those Brees Hall runs was AVT a big part of making happen? And then now um you know Herbig's been okay at times, but huge downgrade. And Lakin Thompson. Is out here advocating for Pro Bowl votes on Twitter because he starts consecutive games even though he's garbage in most of them let's just be honest so yeah. guess, guess, guess he uh, won't be a friend of the podcast yeah I think I just evaporated <laughs> that so <laughs> sorry maybe block someone and then we'll call you up uh, so yeah it's, they really okay. missed AVT I think that'll be a that'll be a big return next year hopefully to have' healthy okay another thing that might be process or results over process
0: is it just me or does it seem like every run play is like they run like three run plays and they just keep running those same three run plays over and over again yeah i think there's something to be like said where for
1: that. where's the, just the, just the 49ers it.
0: yeah it's like when you watch the 49ers the, the how creative they get with their running game it's like where the hell is that right. and i know you don't have a use check or a kittle so maybe that's probably my answer right there but or even Mike McDaniel in Miami, it just seems like they don't get tricky with the counters or the trap plays, or and it's just like toss left, run up the middle, outside zone right, right. run up the middle, toss left, run. Up. It's just like where's the variety? Where's the? I mean, they had one little end around to more, but it, yeah, I mean, I guess it probably comes down to not having ABT as like a confident that you have a elite offensive lineman that you can pull who can get out in front. I don't know. It seemed when AVT and Breeze held like go back to that Packers game, that touchdown that Brees had. I know that was supposed to be a trick play that he flipped back to Garrett, but like, it seemed like he was getting creative with, with how they were using Brees. And now Brees went out and it's like, well, you still have a Knight. You can still kind of get creative with him, but no toss left outside zone, right
1: route the middle. I don't know. Yeah. So there could be more variety to the run game for sure, but you know, that's what AVT brings you. I think there's so much versatility to his run blocking ability, you know, he can block down for you. He can pull. He could lead on outside zone. He could do whatever you need him to. Um, a guy like Herbig is a little more, a little more, a lot more limited in terms of what he brings you. Uh, I don't know if he's really an outside zone fit, to be honest. No. He's not he's very not. athletic. He's a, a bruiser. So it hasn't Which, been the best fit. You can have one of those on the O-line, but they already have Lakin. Yeah.
0: So they have yeah, two. Yeah, so between your
1: two guards, it's not. And I know Lakin comes from. That scheme, but he was, he was their Williams and he was, yeah. Like, like you're saying, he served kind of that mauling role, but now you've without AVT, you have two guards like that. And it's, uh, you don't have that athleticism that you want. And McGovern's a good athlete in the middle, but uh, two guards like that isn't the most ideal for this scheme. So the run game has not been playing up to standards.
0: Uh, should we talk about the Jersey you're wearing? Or, I guess specific, we should. Like the guy who wears that jersey, CJ Mosley, is is that fourth yeah. and inches on him? They said it's not, but it's hard to. It's either on yeah. Quincy, Jordan Whitehead, or, or CJ Mosley. Watching it, it's hard to say that's not on Mosley, but the beat writers are saying it was on either Quincy or Whitehead. I would probably say it'd be Quincy if it's not Mosley, but it does. I mean, it looks like it's Mosley. I don't know how it. I don't know. What do you, What do you think about yeah. that last
1: play? Yeah, you and I were watching it, and it's speculative. Uh, I think it's on Mosley because, you know, like you said, they're they're playing man. You could see um, Carter motioned across with the guy in motion. Then he passed him off to Reed. They were both manning up. Um, someone else was in man too in that play, right? Was sauce. Sauce, yeah. Or I mean, he he, passed, him he, passed, he passed him off to sauce. sauce, and Reed was in yeah, man. Sauce. And MC2 two was in, in man, man too. Other side. Um So they were in man. So like you're wondering like is Quincy supposed to be a man in the tight end is it Whitehead because um, neither of them really pay any attention to the tight end they both go to the mm-hmm. running back yeah they both the running back stayed in the block so they With both a went after hell that. of a block by the way can we just do that block. block he had by on Swift Whitehead Whitehead I don't think it was, Kept was Goss it Swift. Playing. was it Swift or Williams I, I thought I it was yeah. Swift right it might have been Swift either way Lions running back um, so the tight end comes across and it's like no one looks at him Mosley's totally caught up in the front side of the play. He just goes right by Mosley. I think regardless of, you know, maybe Quincy or Whitehead was supposed to be a man on him, but I still think like Mosley would be in zone. He definitely wasn't a man on anyone because there was no one to his side. So, uh, it was he, the the tight end still crossed through his zone. He should have been there to pick that up and he's just oblivious to it. So it can be, maybe it's shared, maybe it's partially on Mosley because he should have been able to pick that up, but probably one of those two guys, Quincy or Whitehead, had a man-to-man, because one of them, probably the running back, wanted the tight end, right? So...
0: Yeah, no, it, it, one of them went for the running back, Whitehead screams into the play, and then yeah. Quincy kind of looks like he's a little bit in no man's land, And but Mosey's the one who really looks like he's in no man's land, because he bites in the play action, and then the tight end just goes right
1: by him um yeah and maybe, then the back end of the play like despite giving that up it should well, be you're stopping them let's hold up in the red zone will here. parks i'm sorry i love i love me some
0: philly will yeah. but that was some of the worst times. was bad
1: i never never thought i'd miss Lamarcus Joyner, but yeah the tv angle makes, moment,
0: makes it did. look honestly the tv angle makes it look a little better for will parks because watching that in person i was behind the end zone so i was looking right at him Horrible angle over pursues. I think he's trying to get him to cut back inside so then Reed can make the tackle, but he looks like he just runs away from the, I mean, when I was watching it live, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what in God's name was that tackling effort? And then terrible angle by MC2. Yeah. And then Reed almost gets the catch up, but that was just, I mean, I felt pretty confident. I didn't think they were going to stop him on fourth. That's the other thing. Do you agree with selling out there on fourth and one? if you're the jets defense or you kind of like we have such a great red zone defense they have to score a touchdown even if they get this first it's like the clock's gonna keep running you know we can get another it's they sold out to stop that fourth and it's i don't know was that the right play call you think to sell out try to just get stop the fourth and get the win
1: well i mean obviously now it's a little hindsighted because of what happened but i mean in that moment i was kind of thinking you know what are they gonna do here are they gonna just try and get this because I think you've a really good opportunity to maybe catch them with something big because, you know, it's an opportunity to win the game. I think the defense is going to try to maximize that opportunity. So I was wondering would they do that? But, you know, Detroit Lions football this season to me feels more of the physical variety playing through that O-line. Um, so I think it made sense, but I don't know. I mean, I, I guess if you just don't bust the coverage, it should be at least a completion given up and, stop them, but I don't know. I think it made I guess sense. that's the move.
0: I guess it's the move. They yeah. just
1: didn't cover the tight end. But it's not like he
0: was like yeah. some I don't know, he's their starting tight end. I don't know. Inexcusable in that spot. That really cost him. The the punt return right at the beginning of the game cost him too. Um defense and special I mean, it's hard to give the defense too much shit because that play was bad, but the, the Lions are a top five offense this year and that was the only touchdown they allowed them. So I felt the defense had a okay game, but man, did it show how much they missed Quentin and Williams because yeah, you saw how this offense looked or this defense looks when you don't get pressure, they have good corners and they tackle well and they play hard. So that's why I think they were able to to limit the bleeding from Detroit, but Detroit controlled this game on offense. It really just came down to just bend, but don't break. And then eventually either Lions receivers going to drop it or Goff is going to miss the throw, or maybe somebody will get home. But when you run this defense, Without a successful four man pass rush, it's nothing. And last year we saw that it was like not a very successful four man pass rush, and then then no corners, and that's why it was so bad. This year they've had a great four man pass rush, and those corners it's been great. This game, great corners, so it's it saved them from giving up thirty points. But man, you miss Quinnen, and also Carl Lawson, not gonna be back. Yeah, not gonna so, yeah. be back next year. He's he's out of here. I mean, he's got three games left. If he has a huge, you know, if he has five sacks over the last three games or something, maybe they keep him, but he has been invisible for far too much this season to be making fifteen million dollars a year. So it's unfortunate yeah. because I like him as a person. I think also Achilles' injuries are extremely tough to come back from, especially the first year. So it's it's possible they cut him, he goes somewhere else and he's and he's back to to being great. And also he's still a good player. It's not like he's horrible. Like he gets pressures, he gets some cleanup sacks, but He's not a $15 million year pass rush on the Jets need money next year. And they got a
1: pipeline there. So he's, he's out of here. It was a disappointing Lawson performance. Right. For me, I think this is kind of uh, what puts me over the edge for Lawson because we've been kind of increasingly turning the heat up on him the past few weeks. Like, okay, like when's he's been good, but when are we going to kind of see him turn it up? It's December. You know, he's finished some season strong post injury. Maybe this is where uh, he starts to break out and it, hasn't really happened. And then this is where you needed him the most with Quinn, Quinn Williams being out, you're playing against a really good O-line. That's the strength of the strength of the offense you're facing. Uh, you need to find ways to overcome that and cancel out that strength. And this guy's getting paid the money to do that. has the talent to do that has shown it in his career, but, uh, he's invisible. What did he do in this game? I, I didn't notice a single he had, he had pressure one pressure. He had one pressure. He did have that one hit. He did. I actually do remember that. So congratulations. That's an excellent impact play. That one um, pressure is worth about $1 million, according to his contract. Exactly. But the pass I, rush I as a whole... I think that math adds up. It does. It does, I think, for sure. You get one QB hit every game, that's 17. That's a nice number. But uh, but no, you look at the pass rush as a whole in this game. Goff, go there's 38 passes. You don't get one sack. And you only have five QB hits. So that's not going to get it done. And we know this is a Terrible. good Lions offensive line. You know... Quinn Williams was out, but the Jets should have enough weapons to still be at least a solid pass rush without Quinn Williams. But I think this game just showed his impact. I think when the contract negotiations come up, they're just going to point to this game right here. Yeah. As soon as he's the Jets getting... start to lowball him, they're like, "Okay, you want to give us twenty million a year? So twenty-five? Just look at that Detroit game." Yeah, I don't know if he gets twenty-five, but he's getting twenty-three. Yeah. he's getting whatever, 23. whatever it is, something in the twenties. Yeah, it just changes everything because how many I've put up so many screenshots this year with just no context of three guys blocking and Williams, uh, and that changes everything. When there's a guy who's so good that he attracts that much attention, everyone else is made to look better because they only get blocked by one guy instead of getting chipped by the tight end or chipped by the running back. But now you take that guy out, and now you could you have this really good offensive line, and they get to spread help across. To everybody. And the Jets tried to find ways around it. I know they were, they had some unique looks up front. They would overload one side. They would have the edge guy go inside and stand up over the center. Like Which, Bryce Huff is doing that a lot. I don't, okay. Yeah. I like that with Jermaine
0: Johnson or Carl Lawson. I don't like doing that with Bryce Huff because Bryce Huff is so good off the snap. I'd much rather have him off the edge. Where it's like yeah. I, Jermaine Johnson can win inside. Carl Lawson can win inside on stunts. But that's not Bryce Huff's game. Bryce Huff's game is I'm going to beat you off the snap and get around yeah. you. So like, why are we why are we lining him up, standing up, and rushing him inside?
1: Yeah, Maybe Bryce Huff is interesting because he played a lot in this game. I'm going to have to see what his snaps were because I saw him a lot. He was announced he as a starter at the game. I thought yeah, he was, he was announced, gonna, I, announced he was, as a starter. So he played a lot, but I don't know if I noticed him as – efficiently as we usually do. Maybe I missed it and we'll look back and we'll see some pressures, but, um, you know, maybe the, the did show, there's some credence to the idea that he's best in a situational role. Only only. All one right. Game, all so right. I can. mean, they're
0: going up against their best Oh, I'm just there, saying, like I just we'll said, only one game,
1: that. but only one game. And trust me, no one wants he's to see him play Carl. more snaps than I do. He's definitely better than Carl, but I'm just saying, you know, he played more in this game and, uh, wasn't his sharpest day. Um, so yeah, pass rush as a whole, probably the most disappointing part of the defense. Yeah, um, definitely. And then the run defense, run defense was bad. Um, I mean, look at the numbers here. Somehow the lines only end up with 3.8 to carry, but it felt like a punishing four yards to carry, you know, where it's like, okay, they didn't really get, get any big plays, but it felt like they wanted four yards on first down, they got it. They yeah. wanted another four on second down, they got it, so efficient and consistent rushing i think the lions got despite no big plays it was uh they're just consistent push and the jets weren't getting those lost plays to really put momentum on their side create long second and third down so quinn and williams sorely sorely missed in this game look i think we could be optimistic he'll be back for the jaguars you know game time decision in this one so i think he would be That's good no enough sure but we'll see We'll see. But, uh, no sure thing, hopefully. but yeah.
0: Hopefully they get at least one of White or Quinnen back, if not both.
1: Because the Jaguars yeah. have a really good offensive line too. So. Yeah, Not if they, if the Jets go into the Jags game, and
0: we'll talk about this on, on Tuesday's podcast, without White and Quinnen, it's tough. You're not optimistic, no. I mean, nope. I, I think, yeah, it's tough. But, um, I mean, I still... Would hope they can beat the Jags with their backs against the wall at home in primetime, regardless. But yeah, I mean, you you saw this defense without Quinn. So, I mean, still at the end of the day, they held the Lions to thirteen points on offense. Right. So I guess they missed yeah. a field goal.
1: So four scoring drives. Really, uh, that goal line stand on the first drive, and yeah, that's true. And he's the so pivotal for the whole game. Like you just give them that touchdown right there, and this whole game turns out different. I guess that does negate the, the pun touchdown that happened after. Yeah, so I guess they sort does. of got it anyway. Yeah. Um, but I guess looking at the defense specifically, yeah, if you put those points on them, then it's like, alright, were you really that good? And then the Lions also, I don't think, executed great because golf missed that touchdown to Jameson Williams. That was open. Uh, there was D- some D- D-J drops was right the Lions had. It should have been a touchdown. He yeah. underthrew you don't
0: it. think DJ makes that play on the ball if it's not underthrown?
1: No, did did he watch it again? He had him. It would to be I, fair, it was
0: in the other end zone, so
1: yeah, he, he I mean, definitely least... like credit credit for the recovery, but better throw is, is a touchdown. So yeah, I mean the um, defense. It feels like the, these last few weeks they've kind of Quinnan's out in this game, so I don't want to I don't want to fully judge this one. And like you said, elite Lions offense, thirteen points. So credit where it's due, but feels like these last few weeks they've been more of a good defense than an elite one. Yeah, they because haven't been dominant. You're, you're not, not getting, getting the takeaways, turnovers. not getting the takeaways, sacks, not a ton of sacks, uh, and just you know they're they've been good, but like you're not getting these shut down performances. Like earlier, um, earlier, early, early in the season, it felt like they could win a game giving up nine points, ten points. And granted, those you know were maybe not the best opponents, but um, dominant defenses can have a game giving up three, giving up ten. Um, which they did in the Patriots and Bears games. Again, not the greatest competition, they, but uh, they get better as a game. Yeah, it just goes seems on. like they've been very good, more so than elite these past few games. Yeah,
0: I know, I know the last touchdown disproves this, but in general, they get game, they get better as the game goes on. Like the first quarter, they normally give up a scoring drive, or so, at least the last few weeks. But then it kind of feels like they make those adjustments, they hunker in, they're the fresher unit, um, and they get better. But I agree, I, I think. I mean, look, Detroit has been putting up 30 points on everybody, so and they did the Jets have right. their best player, so I still think it was an admirable performance.
1: But man, that fourth and inches was, or that fourth and one was brutal. That was, yeah, it's almost like it. I, I want to say it negates everything, but that is just. Cash well, if they, if they make the that stop, you're you're alone. like. Alone.
0: Yeah, if they make the stop, you're still like, all right, the the pass rush was not good without Quinn, and, but man, look at the secondary hunkering down. Look at Philly will filling it right in for joiner who goes down on friday and got also Philly, well got cut and brought back on the practice squad like um we'd be singing their praises but yeah that that fourth and one changes a lot the one guy who deserves a huge shout out though sauce i mean another yeah. amazing performance i not even get targeted once just an absolute beast um best corner in the league yeah i think so. i'd say so yeah. not like we're, to- we're totally unbiased
1: I mean, there are plenty of facts that back it up. So yeah, like, I no, would, I, no, I, I fully agree. Especially as a rookie, pro jet stuff—that's ridiculous. But I think yeah. that is
0: true, actually. Um, any anybody else want to talk about in the defense? I think that's probably it for the defense. I mean, we got to go back and I, I want a better explanation for that fourth an inch. Like, I want to know exactly who that's on. If they say it wasn't Mosley, my guess would be Quincy. Oh, doesn't it make more sense to have Whitehead manned up on the tight
1: end? Probably, honestly, uh, now that I think about it, maybe it was him, and he was just being the player maybe he is—just just, just, just trying to shooting blow up aggressive, play. trying to blow up the play, like kind of read his key quickly, like okay, run straight in, and he just uh, left the assignment the tight end. I think there's a shot that that is the possibility because that makes sense, right? You know, having your yeah. DBs man up, yeah, two you linebackers really... sitting in the you know middle of the field there. So yeah, it was probably that, right. that could be what it was. Yeah,
0: because yeah, they do Yeah, that's probably who it is on. But again, pretty speculative without knowing. I think that's it for the defense. Um, anything
1: else on on Zach and the offense we want to touch on? Um, um, there's something else I was going to bring up. Uh, oh, yeah. I was, I was actually just looking at the Lions' point totals this season. And the 13 points they scored in this game, just look at the offense, it's the third fewest they've had this season. So, um, Despite some of the criticisms right. we've put on the defense in this game, still a, relative to the to the opponent, I think it was a good performance, especially without Quinnen. But still, hard to call it great when you have that no, was not mistake great. at the end, and you also don't make the big plays to turn it in your favor. So good.
0: Can you great, even can but... you imagine if if the if Lawson was the player that he was when he was healthier that we thought he was going to be playing next right. to Quinnin this year? How amazing this yeah, defense
1: would be. Change it so much. If you got that 2020 Lawson who's getting like, you know, five, six pressures a game, like just destroying tackles with ease. So you got him playing
0: like, right next to Quinnen. I mean, it would yeah. be unbelievable. But yeah, he's just a
1: destructive force. Now he's just like a fast guy who kind of explodes off the ball, but doesn't really do anything with it. So Rapid fire. Most
0: disappointing yeah. Jets this year. Carl Lawson. Braxton Berrios, Michael Carter.
1: I would throw Zach Elijah Wilson there. Has to be in Zach, there. Zach Wilson, probably
0: number one. Um, Braden Mann. Right. Just gonna say that. Um
1: Whitehead, probably, did you say him?
0: Uh, no, Whitehead, yeah, that's another one. I think that's it. The seven guys. Can we put been... Conklin? Yeah. Well, I don't make the rules. Uh yeah, I guess Conklin yeah, too. I'd,
1: I'd put him in there. Not that he's been bad, but and part of it is usage, but, but it's been, it's I been, just... I mean,
0: look, you're going to have disappointments every year, yeah. but it's been balanced out by unbelievable rookie performances from Sauce yes. and Garrett and Brees, ABT and Quinn and taking the next steps to being all pro players. Having Mike White be pretty good. Um, and a few other guys like Quan had a Laken. great year. Did
1: we say Lakin? Oh, Lakin definitely. has. Yeah. To be. yeah he actually might great... be number two behind Zach. In terms of missed, most disappointing, I would say, I yeah. mean,
0: Elijah Moore is working He's his way. Been off paid that a way. lot of money. He's yeah.
1: supposed to be one of the best players on the team. Elijah Moore is working his pay. way
0: off the most disappointing list, but if you remember our expectations for Elijah going into the year, yeah, you know, in the whole I, trade, I would say production. You know, also, also, can I? Can I? Can we pause for a second? Yeah. You remember. Eight weeks ago or whatever, when everybody called me crazy for saying Elijah Moore shouldn't be traded or wasn't going to be traded? Yeah, I, I
1: know. You and I were both like, don't trade oh, this oh, guy. Oh,
0: yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. It's like it, it felt like we were the only two people who did not want <laughs> traded, so there's no fault at all. Fuck off. i Elijah Moore. <laughs> um,
0: I don't know. I think – is there anything else we want to touch on, Zach? I mean uh, – I, I
1: was like, very anti-Moore. I, I kind of regret that now. You wanted to trade it to the Patriots. I don't know because it was, was awesome kind of like I was, I was being too emotional at that time. It's like, oh, we're winning. Just get out of here with your, you know, complaints. But now Negativity. it's like, wow, we need we need this guy. <laughs> like, yeah. Since then, we've been desperate for offensive talent. I- I'll tell you the route out.
0: the so, route that he ran. Wait till you see it on the coaches from the route that he runs. On it was I think it was just his first catch from Zach Wilson it was like a twenty yard pass over the middle or whatever. Whew. He cooks his man. I was watching. I was just keying in on Elijah. That's my favorite part about going to games is just watching one player, because it kind of feels like, all right, well, like if a big play happens, I'll know. But like, let me just watch Sauce on this play. Or let me just watch Garrett's route on this play and see what happens. And yeah, Elijah Moore cooked his man on that. It was a beautiful route.
1: Um, yeah, I would say I would say about more like if you show me the numbers he has at this point in the season, you'd be before pissed. the year started. I'd be like, what happened to this guy? But yeah, watching it? it's like. He is getting really unlucky. There, there's been some plays where he should have the ball. Uh, if you, obviously every receiver is going to get missed sometimes, but I feel like with him, it's kind of been to a an oddly extreme degree this season. So I think his numbers undersell him a decent bit, but it's certainly disappointing. This is a guy who i thought it was going to be their best player this year so yeah with uh the numbers he has you have to call that disappointing any
0: any last thoughts on zach any any positives from you to me he kind of feel this is how my dad described him just he's kind of like a a home run hitter who just strikes out way too often it's like right. occasionally he'll hit he'll hit a big one that you're just like holy shit look at this throw jets have a franchise qb and then he just follows it up with three four five strikeouts in a row like just just brutal yeah. misses over the middle where it's like you know white hits those and white has even shown that he can hit some of those deep balls so I don't know I don't know yeah I thought what do you think? do you know you said you don't know twice I don't know I don't know what I don't
1: know Michael so I don't know Me neither nobody knows what they don't know I think here do two. you okay <laughs> I think you not I, know What you don't know. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. You ever heard that before? I'm kind of confused, to be honest. I feel like you guys listening to the playoff scenarios I described.
0: Any last thoughts on Zach? Just because I feel like he probably is, you know, this could be the last game we we see of him. I mean, hopefully, in a way. This could be the last game we see of him for the entire offseason. Strong words coming from you. (laughs) No, it's for the, uh, the rest of the season he'll be in training camp they're not they're not getting yeah. away from that contract he will be out there competing um but if white's able to play thursday and they when he wins that's why i said yeah. hopefully because that means maybe white runs the table right but no probably guess, it'll be zach on thursday but
1: you know yeah from a mike white perspective i don't think it takes a ton of analysis to know that zach didn't do enough to overcome white in this game because because what did we say pre-game we want to see you know not just winning not just efficient but can you be good enough to lift the team? Because that's what it felt like Mike White was doing throughout those three games. And, you know, when you're still making these interception-worthy passes, when you still can't consistently move the offense, convert on third downs, make throws over the middle, intermediate, short, you're not lifting the team up. Even though he he did make more splash plays than they probably expected him to. And like we said, probably right up there at the Titans game for the best game in terms of you know, splash plays down the field, but Mm -hmm. just too much other than that, that is wiping it out. So, so it's, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think we saw enough for him to overcome white for sure.
0: Yeah. I was going to say it's just, yeah, he seems overwhelmed by the moment way too much. Like I would have no faith in him to go win a playoff game on the road. Right. You know, on the flip side of things, I do think there is a path for him to be a good quarterback in this league. Maybe that won't be with the Jets, but he has so much natural ability. It's really the inaccuracies and the stuff between the years. But I, I, it's not even like he – I said he doesn't see the field well. What, what do you feel about that? Because there are times where he's like – he's getting to the right guy. It's just like he's kind of like late in his progression or he – Locks onto a guy for too long or he doesn't throw with anticipation or he takes his eyes off downfield, but it's not like Darnold where like, we mentioned this where Darnold would just like, who, by the way, was not than at this point, but he would not see things where it's like, Zach right. technically didn't see that safety. But to me that was on that interception he had today. But to me that was more, he was just late. Like he saw Elijah start right. to break open on that wheel and he just waited a beat until he decided to throw it. And he was under pressure and he threw it off his back foot. And so the ball, hung up in the air for too long and it gets picked. Whereas like Darnold had ones where he just looked like he was playing with tunnel vision. Yeah. So I don't know. How would you, how would you describe Zach like the scouting report on him?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess to compare him to Mike white, who I think it's, I think it's good to see them side by side because I feel like white is a really, does a great job of reading the field and kind of shows you an ideal way of doing it. He's pretty much good at everything. Zach is not. He's that, like, steadying yeah.
0: veteran presence. Seems like he's been there before. right? Because
1: uh, I hasn't. think when you watch White, when when you watch White, he gets through the reads so quick. And he even said this. You could see it on the One Jets drive when he's talking to Tony Romo in the CBS meetings prior to the Bills game. He's like, I think his, he said about himself, he thinks his greatest strength is how quickly he processes information and gets the reads. And he did say it can be a blessing and a curse because, like, You get through things quickly, you stay on schedule, but sometimes you get off of it too quick and it'll come open after. So that is the counter effect of what White does. Sometimes he misses a bigger play because he gets off it too quick, but the good far outweighs the bad because you stay on schedule. It's a net positive. Yeah. Within the rhythm to where, you know, you're not going to be late on a throw. And I think with Zach Wilson, there isn't as much anticipation and, you know, quick processing. To where he is sometimes late on those throws so okay sometimes he hits a big play but I think sometimes he has to see something be open before he throws it whereas white I feel like they're more anticipatory throws there's more um, as he's going through the progression he's like okay I'm off this this isn't open okay this isn't open I'm off that check it down really quick like one two three like that whereas with Zach it's like if he hits the first read like that elijah moore play for example it's like all right do i have it do i not like there's kind of that very brief hesitation of kind of checking on the information uh so even if he's ultimately right about it you know like he does see it i don't think it's happening quickly enough um to where he could get through the reads and stay on time within um you know the structure of the play call so yeah i think i think like you say there is potential for him to be a good quarterback in this league I think it all starts with just mentally getting things right because like like I was watching some some of his BYU highlights for this game I was like I just want to remind that's that's the best way to scout that's the best way to scout but no I was watching it just like I just want a reminder of that guy who was who we drafted number two what made him that that's what I wanted to see and it's like there are throws there where he throws it under pressure without fear um there are he's confident throwing it down the fields. Like something happened along the line where he just doesn't have the same poise and confidence that he did there. So uh, I think it, I think it's going to take some time if he's ever going to be a good starter in the NFL, because, you know, right now he's just not locked in. And like we thought three weeks was not enough to fix that. I mean, he looked a little different. I mean, he was That's airing it out. But... Yeah, a little better, but like, still has like like gifts on some of the easier throws
0: i mean it was hard Uh, to expect him to be a completely different quarterback in three weeks which he wasn't he looked a little bit more confident certainly better than the new england the second new england game but like the first half of the first new england game pretty i mean he made some great throws in that first half so it's not like he wow he's finally arrived it was like okay we got a little bit more consistent of performance but then you put it under the context of this is one of the worst pass defenses. I will give the Lions credit, though. They have certainly turned things up the last month or so. So it's that stat's a little misleading. And they do everything Zach has struggled against. That was the thing we said right. coming in. How, how do you feel he handled? I felt he did a better job of handling the cover
1: one man coverage, you know, six plus rusher looks. You agree? Yeah, that that's what's interesting because he did, but we wanted him to. I think he did handle it the right way. It took him some time. Um, both him and the play calling thing before they started challenging it because the Lions just came out so disrespectful, just stacking oh the box. God. Like they did not care at all. They're like, come on, throw it deep. We do not care a single bit. We're going to stop the run. And, and they did. He did take some shots. This was, I don't, I don't have the number right now, but there's probably a good chance this is going to be his highest career uh, average depth of target in terms of yeah. how deep he was throwing it. I think it probably was. So he was aggressive and he did take the shots. I like that. That's what we want him to do. Um, and those were generally successful. It's just like we said, it feels like even though he did do the right thing and those things were successful, those deep shots, the rest of it still wasn't there to where he could have a complete efficient performance. So um, that's why, like I said earlier, the way I, I would lay it out is it almost feels like this is kind of a ceiling right now. This game you saw, Against the Lions here, it's like even when things are clicking, you're being aggressive, taking shots, and those shots are hitting more often than not, there's still not enough consistency in the, you know, the nitty gritty areas to where you you could complement the high points with enough consistency to have a great performance because that's what it takes. The high points are excellent, but if the high points are all you have and the, you know, like I said, the down to down stuff isn't there, then it's just some highlights that are dragged down by everything else. So, uh, it still doesn't feel like, not that you expected him to get rid of these things in three weeks, but doesn't feel like the fundamentals and the bread and butter and just the consistency that a quarterback needs to have is there. All right, Michael. Oh, I guess Greg the leg. I mean, we we'd said
0: special teams is awful Yeah, and it was, I mean, Braden man needs to be cut tonight. The amount of punts he sends, into the end zone, shanked, missed tackle. Too far
1: when it's not supposed to go too far. Too short when it's supposed to go it's supposed far. To go far. So, it's just it's, ugh. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah. I've, he's terrible times this season. He's, he might be the most like, punter in the league. I'm pretty confident yeah, I, they could sign
0: somebody off the street who would do better.
1: Oh yeah, in fact, I mean, we I had saw had that times, last year. Had times this year. Where I was like, uh, maybe he has good punts sometimes. Maybe he's been okay. But at this point, it's like, all right, he's good at it's onside. It's right. enough. He's good. He's got some, uh, got some He, he had one kick. good onside kick. Well, the second so, one against New England was cool. It was cool. Yeah, I guess we can really We can keep him on the like roster. Kicked it with the onside leg. kick specialist. Um, yeah. Yeah. Too much. Did you, this did point. you Two think... punt return touchdowns, too many touchbacks Dude. and shanks? I feel.
0: So. I feel like we should. Yeah. By the way, I feel like we should acknowledge though. Um, the last play that Zach gets to Elijah Moore, is that the first time we've seen uh, Zach improvise and it work out?
1: Uh At least that first play to Garrett Wilson. Oh, okay. All right.
0: Well, I guess I meant more of some of the crazy. I know it's it's a completely different situation because they're just trying to get it down. But that was funny because like one of
1: those. It's Zach Wilson time.
0: Yeah, it's Zach Wilson time. He's running around, making guys (laughs) miss. He's hurtling in the backfield, throwing back across. You know the Mahomes type
1: plays that they drafted him. I mean, granted, any other situation in the game, he probably throws it away. But uh, it did work out that time. It It was was a nice play, play, obviously. Really nice throw. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they
0: drafted him because of his Mahomes type ceiling and he's just has a Jamarcus Russell type basement right now and he's living there. But maybe yeah. someday he'll come upstairs. <laughs> um I guess we're done. I think that's it. Um yeah. follow us at CYJ pod on Twitter. Myself, Ben W Blessington, Michael, Michael underscore Nania. Go to JetsAxfactor.com, best place to go for Jets content. Uh check out the other podcasts Subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. It helps the pot out a ton. Michael, last thoughts? Um,
1: Green on green. Like <laughs> Every it. time. We not like it. I think in person it looks pretty good. And then I watched on TV. Why do you TV. even say that? You might as well just say, um, Michael, uniform thoughts. <laughs> Michael, uniform take. Um, it would have been better if the lines no, were I, I, I like it, white. though. i just just stick with that because it kind of leaves open the possibility. Maybe right. I'll talk with something else. People are well, we know crossing their go. fingers, praying, like, please don't talk about uniforms. Say something insightful something that actually is worth my time oh and there he goes i sat through That's the plugs uniforms. for this yeah sat through the plugs just to hear about uh green on greens
0: we're going with it that looked good it looked yeah. better in person i wish the lines were white on white though
1: yeah that would definitely what do you think of the black end zone? You, you were
0: you were very upset about yeah. the black end zones before the game and i just had to be like all right and you're like why do you disagree with me <laughs> i was like i don't care yeah. But I agree. I, I, I do ranting. agree with you now. Now that I saw it, it did look weird for them to be in all green, and then they score, and it's like black end zone. I was like,
1: "Yeah." I was ranting about the black end zones before the game. It's like, probably the only person in the world the uniform. Who has this mindset. It's like should match the uniform. They're not wearing all black. I think I I um, I just took it
0: as he's nervous for this game, so he's he's going in on some random shit that doesn't matter. Just to
1: no, I think that's the just a legitimate thought. No, I don't. I don't understand he, that. I think. This is an all green game. Let's lean into it. Have green end zones. What are we doing? You
0: know what I highly recommend? I know I made this point after the Bengals game because it's the only other time I've done this. The solo Jets game experience. I tried yeah. I tried to get somebody to go with me to this game, but nobody wanted to sit in the 30 degree weather. Yeah, How that watch go? The Jets Lions game. And then also Jets games aren't really a real date opportunity. I don't I think it's probably a pretty scary experience. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember during the the Pats game when they. Uh, if you're going out with someone who you don't want to go out with anymore, yeah, you should take them. Take them to a Jets game. I remember when I went yeah. to the Pats game because I'll. I mean, sometimes you'll just say some wild shit that you don't even realize. Because the first Pats game, I'm trying to remember the exact scenario. I think they had roughed Zach, and then we hit Mac Jones or something or I think it was after the roughing the passer. And then they tackled Mac Jones and I was just like, stop on his head. And then I was like, and people were
1: looking at me. And I was like, all right, maybe that was a little,
0: it's a little aggressive. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. I, I mean, at that first Patriots game, I was like, when I called that, uh, the roughing the passer penalty, I just, like, two middle fingers out. I was just, like, I yeah. had him extended. I, well, I did like that again. 20 seconds.
0: I did that at this game because As there, was a, there was a Lions player, I don't even know who it was, who was, like, waving goodbye to all the Jets fans, and I was just double birds. <laughs> 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 um, You know, I think uh, the solo game, it's like going to a movie by yourself. It's weird. Well, you make friends with the people around. You. I sat with some season ticket holders. It was pretty cool. Um, Occasionally get recognized. I didn't this time. I went with the Michael Floor beanie. I really tried to bring it down like this, like Michael Floor wears yeah. it. really try to hide myself because I would totally get recognized a ton. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, it's, it's cool, though, because you bring your earbuds. You could listen to the live feed radio, which I see some people doing. I didn't do that, but I did during the Bengals game. But it's nice to just, like, I don't know, be by yourself. You really soak it in. I got a cheap ticket, too, for a nice seat. Just found it on ticketmaster randomly like one in the morning just went to sort by one ticket that's the other thing too if, if you're going by yourself you get better tickets because there's a lot of like one-seaters yeah. so i don't know we'll see if i can convince somebody to go uh to a thursday night 8 p.m game in the rain with rain there'll probably be another solo <laughs> <All black laughs> probably not a solo Jets though. game that probably yeah that, that'll feel. convince them that'll yeah be. like
1: you explain to them you're like all right you want to go to this Thursday night, a couple days before Christmas, Jets game. They're on a three-game losing streak. It's going to be 35 degrees. It's going to be raining. Yeah, <laughs> no. I think I'll pass on that. But I left out the most important oh. part, all black uniforms and black helmets. Count me in. I'm going to pay yeah. for your ticket, too.
0: Also, it's going to take you five hours to get to it. It's an all-day experience. Bad I don't mind. That, too. How is there not a direct yeah. train from Penn Station or straight to Meadowlands? Why do we have to go through
1: Secaucus? Yeah. I, mean, I got a taste I know- that this year. My, my life experience as someone who lived kind of further upstate was typically just driving to the game, but um, going with you this year, I got uh, to see the city experience what that commute is like. I thought it would be smoother than it is. It's not. To, it's not too bad. Not, I made
0: the mistake the eleven fourteen train from. This is really for the nitty gritty. Anybody who lives in the city. I learned today that the 1114 train from Penn station is the last one that you really want to get on because I pulled in at like 11, I was there at 1114 I didn't make the train. And then the next one was until 1201. So I got to wait like 45 minutes. And then, yeah, I mean, it's not too bad to just go Penn station's a caucus and then you just walk right across, right down. It's not too bad, but it's like, seems like there should just be straight shot Penn station to the Meadowlands. Maybe there's some stops, but you shouldn't have to tr- change. I
1: don't know. It probably does not make super sense. ideal. Yeah. Um, Another topic I guess we should discuss. I was kind of asking you about this. Um, what was that atmosphere like at MetLife? Because I I saw some people criticizing it. I Watching from home wasn't too enthused about it. Um, I know Joe Blue was kind of tweeting out some pictures of an empty upper deck. I don't know. It seemed like yeah. this is what we've been waiting for. December, meaningful football at home. Essentially a playoff game. And I didn't see a full stadium. And this didn't sound like... As a lot of a crowd. Well, hey, I did did my part. Um, No, it felt like a
0: crowd that knew it was not going to go well, and it didn't feel like worth investing. Like, there there were some third downs where I didn't stand up for. It is hard, though, to be the only person in your section who wants to stand up for third downs, because I do feel – part of me does feel bad for the people behind me, because like, I'm going to stand up. Now you got to stand up if you want to see this game. But it's like, all right, it's third down. We should be getting loud. At the end of the game, they got loud. And it was there were some diehards. That was that was the fun part about where I was sitting. It was just a lot of older diehard Jets fans who will just yell yeah. some wild shit during the game. It's always really funny. They don't like Lafleur, is what I've learned. Not big Lafleur fans. Um, a lot of they were calling Zach like pretty boy. They're like, come on, pretty boy. And then I just like my favorite part where there there was a big deep pass to Jeff Smith, and I heard somebody, who the fuck is that guy? And he's like, his <laughs> name's Vincent Smith. And I was like, close, <laughs> close enough, I guess. Um, yeah, so that was fun. Um, but yeah, I agree. It was it was not a, It did not feel like the home playoff game that I thought it might.
1: Um, yeah, but you think you know. um, Mike White being out took away some of the attendance? Probably.
0: I think it was just it was a cold game, and the Jets have lost back to back games, and whatever. But but if if it just kind of felt. First of all, it was a tough game, and then it just kind of. The Lions were controlling it for so long. Um, If the Jets had sent it into overtime, I think it would have been bananas in there. Like, there were a lot of diehard fans there. I just felt like everybody was kind of just kind of holding their breath for Zach Wilson. And then it kind of felt like the defense was kind of giving up a lot. So, I don't know. People got loud. But, yeah, I agree. It should have definitely been louder. We'll see what it's like on on Thursday against Trevor Lawrence. But, um, all right. I guess that's it, Michael. We'll be back. We're gonna record another one in two days. So, you know, talking all about that Jags game. I'm sure we'll have another playoff scenario breakdown. Beats breaking down the uh, the draft standings. I'm I'm gonna hope that we don't have that at all this. year. I'm mean, just hope that the Jets are alive in Week 18, where we can break down the playoff scenario. Even right, if it's yeah. even if it's a crazy like we need the Chargers to lose to the Broncos and the Patriots. Like to 2011 lose to was like that, right? Yeah, something exactly. like that. Like I, and I that just all hinges wanna...
1: on hinges on this game. You win this game, and the Seattle game, it obviously matters. But as long as they win this game, they should be able to come out with the Seattle game. Yeah. Even if they lose with some sort of wild scenario in play right. in Week 18. So this is the one right here. If you lose this one, uh, you could probably kiss a goodbye. But uh, you win here, uh, you're still very much in it.
0: All right, that'll do it for us. Must win on Thursday. We'll be back that Tuesday night afternoon. So come out Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great early part of your week. We'll be back Wednesday previewing huge Jets game. So be on the lookout for that. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Go Jets.